Boss Uncaged is a weekly podcast that releases the origin stories of business owners and entrepreneurs as they become uncaged trailblazers. In each episode, our hosts, S.A. Grant and guests construct narrative accounts of their collective business journeys and growth strategies. Learn key success habits and how to stay motivated through failure, all while developing a boss uncaged mindset. Break out of your cage and welcome our host, S.A. Grant. Welcome, welcome back to Boss Uncaged Podcast. Today's show, we have an interesting guest. I, I'm going to deem him the confidant boss, and he's going to be able to tell you why very soon. So <laughs> Thank why don't you. you go ahead and introduce yourself to our guest today, sir? Thank you. Thank you very much. So as you very well said, uh, I'm Angel Rivo. My brand is the CEO Confident, and basically I'm originally from Spain, what I do for a living. I have you know, very two distinct parts of my life. One is my for-profit business, which is that brand just mentioned. And uh, what we do is we help both corporate CEOs and established entrepreneurs to bridge the gap globally for expansion and exposure as a way to accelerate the growth of their businesses. Huh. Uh, and uh, I, we, we can do that basically because for the last 20 plus years, I've helped more than 1,500 CEOs in 33 different countries. I've left, I've lived, excuse me, in uh, probably like seven, seven, eight countries. And I already lost sight of that. And I speak five languages. And um, the other side of my life is basically my life purpose, which is helping underprivileged kids in Latin America become entrepreneurs using their local resources. And I, did, I do that through uh, our nonprofit. It's called Wisdom for Kids. I am the president and, and co-founder of Wisdom for Kids. That's, that's who Angel Rebo is as a... Hmm, nice, nice. So like, let's just talk about like the, the confident boss. Like, I mean, yeah. like that, that's a very intriguing and interesting brand and name. So like, what, what is the meaning behind that? And like, how did you come up with that, that naming convention? Yeah. So, you know, when we, when we start at some point, we start our entrepreneurial journey, right? We decide maybe to leave what we were doing before and become our own bosses. So that I did that in 2016. Mm. And when I was thinking about, okay, what, what I'm going to do, you know, there were many different choices I had in front of me. I can do this, I can do that, I can do that. And I decided to basically start counting my blessings. I started mm. to count what I had done in my professional life. And I had worked for several, both oil and gas companies and high tech, mainly high tech. Most of my professional career in the 90s started with high tech companies. And I realized that I had helped so many companies and so many CEOs and every every single time I would engage with my clients, every single time I would help them grow their businesses. And I would always do it in a way in which we would engage uh, consistently the C-level executives of those companies. Hmm. And, and that's why I started actually to count the companies I had helped and the, I started to count the CEOs and the C-levels I had, I had helped. And when I reached 1500, I said, okay, I'm going to stop here. And I think it would make sense that, you know, I've had so many private conversations, confidential conversations with so many CEOs in so many different countries, more than 30 countries. I said, I think it would make sense to actually call myself the CEO confidant. And that's why I chose my, my brand uh, uh, because of what is behind it, my experience. You know, when you really, you have done so many things, but you don't count them, like you don't really take you know, yeah, like, like you stop and you take stock of what you have really done. That's what I did in 2016. And that's why I came up with, with uh, this brand. Nice, nice. So 
with that being kind of like, you know, what you're saying is that you had access to thousands, right? And you stopped counting around 1500, but you had all these intriguing detailed conversations behind the scenes that no one else really had access to. And that's why you came up with that branding. So let's go into like a little bit more about you. Like if you could define yourself in three to five, five words, what three to five words would you choose? An unstoppable divine force that connects the unconnected. Nice, nice. So going back into your business, right? I'm an executive, I come to you, right? And I see your branding and I'm seeing, okay, he's telling me right away, he, he's gonna be able to take information that I'm gonna give him and he's not gonna disclose this to anyone. But like, what, what, like, what's the next step? Like, what systems do you have in place? Like, what is your service exactly? Yes, thank you. So I provide several services, but I would like to say that the most important one is, okay, so someone already has, and again, again, it can be an accomplished entrepreneur whose friends and partners have told, have told that person, hey, you should take this global. You should take, you should take this global. You should take this global, right? And, and, and uh, that accomplished entrepreneur already knows that you know, their product or their service can really do so much good in the world, probably in other cultures, in other geographies, right? That would be like one of my main audiences. The other audience is typically like a C-level, a CEO that really wants to take their business global. They have tried to do things in the past, but you know, with everything that's going on in the world, having local connections, it has become much and much more important. And I, has, I was always on the road. I have developed, I had developed all those relationships with local partners, clients, friends. So the, the starting conversation is always the same thing. Okay, so I would like, they tell me, I would like, we would like to grow or accelerate the growth of our business. And we would like to do it, taking it global to specific areas. The first thing we start talking about, okay, so which of your products and services you think would serve another audience? And then which market would you like to take that to? And then we start the conversation, would it be a good fit or not? According to my experience, according to what I have done personally in the past, according to the local partners I have already on that particular geography, then we go to a conversation in which we discuss basically, are you ready to do that? Hmm. You know, are you, uh, because it's, you have to be, willing, I'm not saying able, because everything can be done, right? Be willing, are you really willing to customize your product and service and do everything it takes to customize that product and service to make it you know, uh, viable in that particular geography? And the third is, do you have the resources to do it? Have you, do you have already the, the resources in place, the cash flow, the cash flow to invest in this initiative that will you know, allow you to be investing in that uh, global, in those global efforts for at least one year? Those are basically the, ma the main three questions, essay. Because you know, one thing is I want to do something, but then, okay, so let's make sure that we understand each other and we are on the same page. As you can imagine, besides expanding to that particular place, and I'm talking about you know, uh, developing business, mm -hmm. finding new clients, finding distributors, finding resellers, you know, finding uh, partnerships in that particular geography, or maybe, you know, I want to visit those specific accounts. I would like to have literally, uh, you know, um, uh, appointments with those, with the, with the C-level executives of those companies. That's something that we provide. Also, something that we also do, because we are very strong, our presence, I, I always talk about us, because I, I mean, we have a, a decent sized team already in the company. And what we do, we, we have developed a very strong, uh, you know, um, audience on LinkedIn. 
Mm -hmm. Right now are over 28,000 connections. Most of them are C-level executives of mid-sized and large corporations. So uh, we are able to start conversations with those uh, with those uh, um, executives. So what we provide, another of the services that we provide is what is called influencer marketing, but we do it in a specific way, which is a business to business influencer marketing or business to consumer influencer marketing. Okay, which means that we have already developed those relationships with our audience. We use those relationships to promote, to give exposure and visibility to our clients' products and services. Does it make sense, SA? Yeah, yeah it does. Definitely, definitely. So what, what I envision, right, like I'm time traveling back and, and I'm hearing you speaking right now, but what I envision is, is you as a kid in Europe with a suit and tie and a briefcase, like, like how did you become like an executive? I mean, like when did that journey really start for you? Oh, I say, I have to thank you. And I also have to put my hands on my face because when I was a kid, to be honest, I was so shy. Mm. I was so shy. So, I, I mean, probably the first time I did something like public was when I was in, I think it was uh, eighth grade. No, 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 mm. no, 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 no. It, it was later. Ninth grade, uh, when I helped the French teacher to organize a trip to France. That mm. was the first time ever I was kind of on the stage helping a teacher to, you know, cre- to create basically to schedule a trip uh, to go to France. And we spent two, you know, the, the entire French, you know, class uh, students, we went to France for, for a couple of weeks. That was the first time. Then, I mean, I was extremely shy. I mean, uh, very, very shy. I mean, I remember organizing when I was in, when I was in high school in, the, in 12th, we would, we would raise money. We would fundraise for, you know, organizing a trip in the summer, right? And we would we actually partnered up. Uh, we, we were a, a, a you know a male only school, so we actually partnered up with a female only school, so that we would attract our respective audiences, you know, friends and and classmates from our respective schools, and we would organize on an alcohol. You know, obviously alcohol wasn't allowed because we were still you know underage, but we would organize every single Friday night, uh, you know, an event. On a on a on a on an evening club, not a nightclub, but an evening club. I remember still to this day that I was in 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 the whole year I was not, I didn't have the courage to ask anybody to dance with me. That's how shy I was. I mean, I was really really shy. Then I went to college, uh, and it was then when I started kind of bloom, <laughs> and I started actually. It was I was my first year. I was I was proposed to be a member of an international students organization that what they do is they exchange scholarships. So you can go, you get scholarships in Spain and then you exchange those scholarships in an international meeting with scholarships from other countries. And eventually, you know, your college students, a few of them, the ones that are members of the club, they are able to travel for the summer or for, you know, a, a, a semester abroad. So that was the when my I really started to be kind of a, some sort of a leader of an organization and it started to help consistently my college mates so that they could go abroad and spend some you know some time having experience in companies and universities in many other countries literally around the world that was really when i started but i wasn't an i mean that was probably the first time i was an entrepreneur although when i was a kid and i i, I really like computer science when I was in uh, in high school, I would help my father's business with programming, and that's why I ended up studying computer engineering. 
So my first job ever was actually helping my dad in his business, uh, uh, writing code for an inventory of one of his fish farms. So that was exactly what I was doing. <laughs> Crazy. So it's kind of this is who I, who I was when I was in when I was in high school, college, mm. you know, and and then uh, you know in the nineties I I decided that after a kind of a traumatic uh, divorce in Barcelona I started to, I decided to start my international experience and I, I relocated for the first time I was relocating for like for a long period of time or forever from Spain to the UK and I had not lived in Spain since then. Wow! Wow! So, I mean, you kind of given us some insight to kind of like hurdles. I mean, as a kid, you were shy and bashful. You broke out of that shell and, and now you're, you're, you're more in front of the camera. You're more of, of a socialite totally. per se, right? Exactly. So totally. on the business side of things, right? Like what, what hurdles did you have to overcome to, be, to get to where you are currently? Well, number one, I, I briefly mentioned it before, which is when you leave corporate America, when you, where you have had so many support systems, and you start your own journey, you're completely confused. You really don't know what to do with your life. And I'm, I'm, in the, I'm not exaggerating. Literally, you have so many, many different things that you can do that in reality, you don't have anything to do, right? Because if I take this, what are the pros and cons? If I do this, what are the pros and cons? So, and you spend a lot of time doing that. I wish, I wish I had just taken one route and go with it because that would have taken me to a place where I would have been able to course correct, course correct much, much faster. That's number one. Number two, um, I kind of felt like I'm just leaving a world behind and I have to like confront my life moving forward. That was a big mistake because I had developed so many good relationships with so many people that I literally stopped talking to. You know, when you have this mental trap that you think like, this is not part of your life anymore. It's not true. I could have had the advice, maybe clients, uh, maybe even some support for me, or maybe even some feedback for my products and services mm. at that time, and I didn't do it. Number three, I think that also collaboration, we are not taught to collaborate. When we are in corporate America, honestly, it's very difficult to establish, you know, win-win partnerships. Mm. Uh, and I think that we are always thinking about competition, 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 competition. How do how can we beat the competition, right? How can we beat the competition? And I think that in reality, in the world and the future is teaching this as a, as a big lesson. I think that we have to learn how to collaborate. I wish I had openly started collaborating ask, or looking for people that could have uh, could or might have complementary offers, value propositions to the market so I could have you know, like partner up with them and do it the right way. Because very often, and you probably have received that, you very often receive emails, even messages on LinkedIn saying, we would like to, I would like to collaborate with you to see if we can collaborate, right? Yeah. How many of those conversations ever go anywhere? <laughs> like none. <laughs> okay, exactly, exactly. So I think that we have not been taught to really how to collaborate. How to put in place those checks and balances? How to you how to put in place those boundaries to make that relationship really work? You know, I I don't remember any collaboration conversation in which you say, okay, so right now we're going to commit each other to generate three leads in the upcoming thirty days for each other. That's our commitment. That never happens. That never happens. And it's again, it's it's why that doesn't happen. Maybe because of fear, 
maybe because of mistrust. You know, again, I think that if, even in a school, and that comes from a school, to be honest, AS, uh, excuse me, essay. I, I think it really comes from when we are in a school, we're not taught to collaborate. You know, really, I think that the system doesn't put in place enough, you know, uh, initiatives or activities so that we really learn on how to define a way in which we can work mutually beneficially, you know, between us. Very, very interesting, very interesting philosophy and train of thought. And to your point, I mean, I think that's like one of the downfalls to LinkedIn. Like LinkedIn is powerful in the sense that you have access to all your clientele that you're ever looking for, but doing the blanket marketing by sending out the same exact messaging to everyone without articulating what that system is. Like, how do I really work with this person versus just saying, hey, do you want to work together? It, to your point, it becomes annoying. And then all those messages kind of just go into the graveyard and they get forgotten very easily. So um, going into my next question, right? I mean, obviously, like you have systems in place, right? You understand business yes. to, to a level to where not only on a national scale, but an international scale. So with that, how, how is your business structured? Is it an LLC, an S-Corp, a C-Corp? It's an LLC. It's an LLC. Yeah. Okay. Is there a particular reason why you chose that particular principle versus any of the other two? Um, just because it was the easiest way, the most straightforward and you know, when you don't know what you don't know, you just go ahead and you take the advice from, you know, people that have been there before. And that's why I decided to, to basically um, uh, go, go down that path. In, in reality, uh, I mean, it's, it's, it's afterwards when you're, you know, you reach a certain, you know, revenue level when this becomes more of a, of a discussion with the proper, you know, uh, CPA. I, you know, I use, I use, um, What's the, name? What's the name to create my company? It's LegalZoom. LegalZoom is the name of the, of the company. You know, you go online. I mean, I, I don't have any affiliation with them and just mentioning it because it's a, literally in a few hours, you can get your business up and running. And it's, it's, it's later up down the road when you have those conversations. And to be honest, I always try to leave these conversations to the people that know more about me. So I, you know, I try to, and, and that's another mistake I made, which is asking for help when I, when I started my own journey. Do you ask for help fast enough, soon enough, so that you don't have to do the heavy lifting yourself? And remember, money comes and goes. Money comes and goes. But time, no. <laughs> time goes by. Time goes by. Time goes by. And I think that that's also another lesson I learned the hard way, is that had I received the support from, I mean, now obviously I know a lot, but did I get any sales support? Did I get the necessary marketing support, legal support, accounting support that I needed at that time so that I could really like shorten my rampant period. Mm. I did not. And that was a big mistake. And also another thing that we don't know as entrepreneurs is how to pick the right contractors, right? How to pick the right partners, mm. how, to, how to pick the people that are really the right uh, contractors, the right people that are going to provide you with the services that you need to ramp up. Again, you know, I think that Little by little, or or trial and error, trial and error, we learn on that journey of being entrepreneurs and eventually being the small business owners. Hmm. Interesting. So you know, as as the perception goes, right? Somebody yes. listening to this particular episode, they may be hearing you speak and saying, "Okay, this guy has the machismo that I'm looking for. He has the insights. He has the bravado." But in the perception, you're kind of an overnight success to them. But in reality, how long did it take you? On your journey to get to where you are currently oh my god oh, that, 
<laughs> that I'm talking about the 90s. Had I not, I mean, had I not started, and let me tell you, I mean, from a sales perspective, I, I was more of a marketing PR guy, uh, like in a, from a natural standpoint, when I started, when I was in college, I mean, I didn't like computer engineering, but I, you know, I got a degree and then I took an MBA. But I remember the first really big immersion, immersion to the sales world was when I took a position in the UK as an inside salesperson. I was making hundreds, hundreds of sales calls, cold calls every single week, no matter what. That was, you know, that was the first really big change in my life in which I realized that even not speaking the language of every single European country I was calling to, I was still being able to generate, you know, first level of, com- of, of trust hmm. with my, and that's number one. Number two, you realize also that being who you are authentically is much more important than the script that you use as, a, as an inside salesperson, mm-hmm. right? So I started this really in the 90s. And it was, and then I was generating leads for my field reps. So for the, for the sales reps that were in the field, going face-to-face to see all those companies. Mm-hmm. And then I started to be invited to the kickoff meetings, sales kickoff meetings in those territories. And the rest is history. It was then when I was given the, you know, the responsibility on over specific accounts. Then I was, you know, I started to increase my geographical outreach. And then I started not only to sell to those strategic accounts and talking about, you know, Fortune 500 companies, 20 to 25, every single quarter, different ones. Uh, And then I started to develop distribution channels, which means finding companies out there that would like to go to the market with our products and services. So I had to actually help them go from wherever they were, support them so that they could actually go and serve my clients or our clients with our products and services. So I started to actually consistently coach and consult for those companies that were our business partners, where they were our value added resellers or our distributors or our technology partners. So then it was not only me using my sales skills, but also it was me being a consultant to make sure that I was able to help those companies grow. And, and actually, I have many different success stories, but one of the most amazing ones was a company I helped only in two years and a half, almost three years, to go from two employees to 40 plus employees. Hmm. Hmm. So that's the power of not only you know being able to generate business and to sell, but to create or to lead a group of people to believe in you, believe in your products and services and grow and grow in a way that they can consistently in themselves generate their own systems and, and, and create value for their clients. You know, that's why, you know, eventually uh, I, 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 I provide the services that, that I provide because I was really working many different fronts of helping companies grow and generate business and generate revenue and be, become profitable and generate cash flow. Interesting. Definitely interesting. So if you could travel back, right, on this, you know, you're talking about 30 plus years of, of time frame. what's yeah. one thing that you would want to do differently if you could do it all over again? Take more risks. I would have taken more risks. Definitely. Okay. More risks. I mean, I, I really stretched thin. I mean, I, when I I remember in the, in the early 2000s when I, I was with my uh, um, we, I mean I, I married again 
uh, and I remember that they spent so much time gone from home that my wife told me one day, I thought that you were going to, or you were seeing someone else or you were going to go back home one day and you would tell me this is over. Mm. So I know that I have spent a lot of time with the people that need, needed me the most from a, my business partners, I mean. So it's not a matter of time, it's how many more risks I would have taken, how many more avenues I would have opened for myself and for my uh, you know, business partners so we could have explored more possibilities. Hmm. That's it, really. I mean, regardless of how uh, you know, glamorous my life might look like, like so many countries and so many companies and so many CEOs, I mean, I... I was exhausted and I was burned down. And I, I mean, you name it. I mean, as, as anybody else, right? Uh, but I would have taken more risks and opened more possibilities for myself and for my business partners. Hmm. So, I mean, with that more risk-taking, I mean, that's something that some people could actually grow into. They could learn or they're born with that. So, I'm, and, and I'm guessing here, right? I mean, in your, your history, do you remember anyone while you were growing up being more so an entrepreneur that influenced you? Like, was it a parent, an uncle, a sibling? That's a, that's a great question. Yes, it was definitely my father. You know, my father, I was always very close to my father when I told you that I was in high school and I was helping him with mm-hmm. the, decoding the inventories of the, of, uh, the inventory of, uh, uh, or a system to control the inventory of one of his fish farms. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think that definitely he was for me like, the the paradigm right that that that's that was the example because he was always like having those ideas he was always creating something new he was always partnering up with someone new you know and i think that he was definitely for me the example i would always go even when i was a kid i mean when i was six seven eight years old i would every single weekend when he allowed me to i would go with him uh to his workplace to see you know to see the manufacturing plants where he was working all those kinds of things. You know, I, I was always with around him all the time, all the time. Mm. In, during the summer, I was a good student, so I didn't have to study over the summer. And those three months of holiday, in, in, which is the case in Spain, I would go every single day. He would go to maybe to one of those fish farms or to one of those mm. distant, you know, um, plants that he would be like overlooking as the, as, as the CEO of, 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 of a group of companies, mm-hmm. I would always go with him. I always wanted to listen to his conversations. I always wanted to be with him all the time, all the time, all the time. I definitely think that he, he really made a big, massive impact in my life. And uh, he, I mean, still to date, I mean, he, he has extraordinary business connections and, and we discuss business very often. Nice, nice. So I think another thing that you alluded to was just kind of like, you know, juggling like your marriage life, which your business life. So in today's world, like in, like right now, how are you juggling your work life balance with your family life? It's different because obviously we spend more, more time at home. I used to travel more before. Mm-hmm. Let's say, I mean, it's, it's right now it's May to it's already May. Oh my God. 2021. You were in the middle of 2021 almost. And obviously what has happened in the world for the last, let's say, 14 to 16 months. Everybody knows that. So I stopped traveling both for my nonprofit to Latin America and for my own business. I used to travel a lot, so which means that I, st- I am more at home. Also, my kids were, I, ha- I still have two of my three kids here at home, and they have spent much more time at home. Um, so that, that, so, and obviously the same thing with my wife. So we have had to establish more boundaries mm. so that we respect each other's, you know, uh, spaces. Uh, also, some possibilities that have opened is that 
for instance, well, obviously, I think my kids are much closer to me now because I don't travel so much. And more right now, it's not the case because uh, it's it's school time right now. But for instance, one of my kids, I uh, he likes to build computers, and I convinced him to put his working area in my office. So actually, he listens to all my conversations. He's listened to many, literally dozens of uh, of podcast interviews, and I love that because I want him to learn from what I'm saying and from the questions that you know uh, podcast hosts are asking me. I think that he's learning a lot from me since he has been at home more often. You know, again, he he went back to face to face school. Uh, uh, was it in September last year, August last year? But he. And, and I think that's that's that, that's been good. Again, I, I see I see the world in terms of opportunities all the time. I say, so I, I so I think that the kids need more and more inspiration uh, from their parents, and that's not always the case. Definitely right. And I'm definitely a big believer of that. I mean, I've been dragging my son around with me since he was about four years old to conferences, meetings, telecommuting and everything else Great under job. the sun to just kind of Absolutely. influence him in, the, in that path. So totally, totally. Yeah. So, you develop, you develop. And I mean, as you know, if you go to the school, to the schools in, of the world right now, unfortunately, it's not always the case. And you can talk yeah. to teachers and the teachers will, the teachers know exactly whose kids' parents are involved in their kids' education. Mm-hmm. And who are not? Hmm. You yeah. know that. I mean, they they know that very well. And unfortunately, we are the exception. You and I are like the exception. Essay. Hmm. <laughs> Interesting. So, I mean, this is getting a little bit more into like like you, uh, uh, and it seems like you're very structured. And at least you, at least you've grown into being very structured. Like, what does your morning habits, your morning rituals look like? Well, the f- first thing I, I wake up pretty pretty early, between six and seven. Hmm. I do. Uh, the, the number one habit I have, and I've, it's been in place for five, six years already, mm-hmm. is having a very cold shower. Regardless of what I am in the world, regardless of the season, mm-hmm. I never put the, I never mix any hot water with with the water I'm 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 I'm, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm showering, and I think that sets me up for something. I mean, I obviously, I mean, I've been in I've been in Calgary in the middle of the winter with minus thirty Celsius outside, so. Uh, or twenty something outside, so that was the, the water was cold, mm. and it's it's painful actually. When the water is cold, it's painful. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But that's the first thing. The second thing is, for the last four years, every single morning, I I actually we have something which is called an intention experiment. We have a mm. uh, we are nine of us, but it's called a power of eight group. Mm. So it's people from different places in the U.S. plus Mexico. We meet every single morning to meditate in order to achieve a specific intention. Okay, so we, every week we have a different intention and that gives us a very safe space to talk about what every one of us, every, every, every week, every one of us chooses a, a particular intention for the week. So we intend for something to happen or we intend to help someone, we intend to heal someone or to help someone in their healing process. And I think that's extremely important because then it kinds of, it kind of, of uh, my mind is calmed, calmed down, and also uh, you know I focus on doing good, and I think that's really important in the beginning of the day that you start the day feeling that you have already done good uh, in the world. Mm. Then something else that I do, I always carry a, 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 a productivity planner 
and a, and a journal, and I write down things over, you know, uh, throughout the day. You might have uh, heard that there was actually an, a bell going off a couple of times throughout the conversation, and I apologize for that. The reason why is that that's the case is because every 14 minutes, in case I am distracted, this bell reminds me of going back and, 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 and focusing my attention. So basically every 15 minutes, I ask myself, when, I, when, when I'm mindful of that bell, I ask myself, what do I want my attention to be right now? And the fourth thing I use, uh, and many people use this, it's a, it's a technique to be extremely focused. It's called the Pomodoro technique. So I, in chunks of 25 minutes, I try to focus on a specific activity for 25 minutes. Then I take a five-minute break. And then I go back to 25 minutes. But still, we sometimes get distracted, right? Mm -hmm. So that, that's why I always, you know, I always go back to that question. Why do I want my attention to be right now? And those are basically the practices that help me be productive throughout the day and be focused uh, on what I want to accomplish. Hmm. So, I mean, that's not, not only is a mouthful, but it seems like, like to, to my point, as earlier, you're very structured, right? You're jumping into a cold shower, then you're doing these cycles of, of awareness to say, hey, 15 minutes, wake me up, even though you may be awake, but you want to refocus. And then you're also doing the other method that says every 25 minutes, you're real in, in a realignment. So with these different structures and these different strategies, I would think that they have dawned from essentially either being at reading books, audio books, or conferences to a certain extent over the past few years. So my next question is a three-part question. What books have you read on your journey to get you to where you are? What books are you reading right now? And are you an author of any books? Yes, I'm not an author, although I have uh, written forward and helped uh, authors to write their books. Mm -hmm. I will eventually do it. I am starting by uh, the last question of your three. Mm -hmm. Definitely, there's there's uh, there's a couple of books. Well, th th there's a book that changed my life forever because it's a, it's the book that made me realize that we are much more powerful than who than who we think we are. That's why when you ask me how do I define myself, I said I'm unstoppable divine force mm -hmm. to connect the unconnected. Uh, that comes from reading a book. The book the book is called The Celestine's Prophecy. And it's a fiction book. It's, it's written by James Redfield. And the book is about a series of scrolls that are found in the ancient, ancient scrolls that are found in the Amazonian forest of Peru. It's a great fiction story, but it has a very strong message. When I read that book that talks about energy, basically I realized that everything who we are and what we see around us, everything is energy. Everything is energy. And when I was reading the book, you know when you're reading something and you say, Yes, yes, yes. It's like I've never read this before. I never read this before, but it so resonates with me at a different level. It's not even on a physical level. And that book actually made me re rethink everything I was doing in my life. And actually, that was the book that when I was reading it, it made me go from Europe to Latin America to leave. So that was really powerful. And the book I'm reading right now, it's called The Levels of Energy. Levels of Energy. It's interesting because... Uh, I, I read a lot. So um, this book is, is by Frederick Dodson. And the reason why I'm reading this book is because um, I believe that, as I said before, everything is energy in our lives. And if, if we are able to see the behaviors, the organizations, and the individuals in terms of energy, we are going to understand a lot of things and how and why things happen. And also how we can help those organizations and those individuals to actually thrive in their lives. 
how to go to higher levels of energy. It's funny how, you know, fear and guilt and all these other things that are unfortunately dominating our lives very often, they are very low levels of energy. It's how, it's amazing how actually just being aware of where your energy is, you're already able to understand and start thinking about how you can help these people and these organizations. Nice. Very nice. Very interesting as well, too. So, I mean, obviously on, on this journey, right, you've been on the journey for, for a long period of time. Yeah. And obviously there's always an end result or a legacy or something that you want to leave behind. Right. Mm-hmm. So where do you see yourself 20 years from now? Wow. Well, 20 years from now, uh, I will be uh, 20 years younger. That's number one. Okay. Number two, I will be uh, impacting the lives of millions every single day. Okay, uh, because I'm, I, I'm diligently working on my exposure, so that's going to happen. I will have helped thousands of CEOs and millions of kids in Latin America, mm-hmm. and I will be continuously on stages, and I will be continuously sharing my message and making sure that they help people be aware of uh, how their energy can be uplifted mm-hmm. and how they can empower their awareness. That's what I will be doing in 20 years. Nice. Very Nice. So, I mean, obviously you have to have a lot of systems in place. You have many tentacles to your services that you're delivering to executives yeah. or the C-level, right? Yeah. What software are you using that you would not be able to do what you're doing without? Uh, definitely Zapier. Z-A-P-I-E-R. Because Zapier is, is, a, is, is a core, is a brain. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a system that is able to analyze triggers from many other softwares mm-hmm. and, and, and redistribute those triggers, create actions around those triggers. Mm-hmm. That's why. I mean, I, because I have connected email systems. I have you know, online marketing systems. I have, you know, social media. I have uh, CRMs. I have spreadsheets. I have all those systems in place, automation tools. Mm-hmm. that helped me all work together thanks to Zapier. I could nice. not do that without Zapier. I could have told you it was email, but email is very simple. The real brain and, 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 and the, import, the, the, real, the real hard stuff of, of what I do with my clients and with my own business mm-hmm. is, is definitely Zapier. Which is nice. very well, as, as you probably have heard of it or know what it is. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm a I'm a big app guy. Like I, I'm a big awesome. lifetime deal guy. So every single time, like part of my morning ritual when I wake up, I usually kind of check threads to see if there's any new tools or software that come out. So awesome. definitely, I love Zapier as well. So just to talk about like like your journey to like help kids. Like you're saying that you're you're going to Latin countries. And like, what are you exactly doing with the youth of those particular nations? Yeah, let me tell you. So basically, what we do is we connect with, uh, you know, communities. Uh, we have different kinds of communities, right? Suburban communities, rural or indigenous communities. We categorize them because the level of poverty is different. Mm-hmm. Being the highest, the indigenous communities. Then we connect, we contact those communities and we talk to the community leaders. We tell them what we want to do, which is basically gather the kids, okay? We work with kids from six, six years old, seven years old, up to 12, 13, 14. And, and we basically ask them, hey, we would like to do that. The first question they ask us all the time is, Are you, how much is it? And then we tell them, well, it's for free. And then they said, really? Yes, and they don't believe it's for free. Then we tell them, you know, the, the reason why we don't want to do that is because we believe that giving those kids the entrepreneurship skills that they need, I think that they can change the, their lives and they could change also their communities. 
So then we set up a specific agenda, we set up a specific time frame, and then, you know, volunteers, local volunteers or myself, we go to that place and then we deliver a workshop, which is the starting point for the entrepreneurship journey for those kids. And that that is a workshop, again, very high level of energy. Don't spec whiteboarding or blackboarding at all. It's a place where we make sure that we connect with the kids at a very high level so they are fully engaged with us. It's a workshop that, that lasts two hours. And basically, we sing, we dance, we play, there's quizzes, there's a lot of interaction, there's a lot of questions, there's exercising, there's dancing, there's singing, again, lots of many different things. And there's also meditating. Hmm. We use neuro-linguistic programming to make sure that, you know, we have an impact, we make an impact. Because essay, I mean, there's something very clear, which is, you know, our our obsession has been since Hmm. the very beginning, how do we make our workshops to stick with the kids, right? Yeah. And considering that we really don't know what the reality is, we don't know if they live in, in poverty, I'm sure that their life is not as easy as we think our lives are, right? Yeah. So, but we, we know for sure that most of them, I mean, we're talking about 81 million kids in Latin America living in poverty, 22 million of them, 22 million of them have no drinking water. So we know that lots of things might be happening in their lives. So. That's why we try, we, we connect with them at the energy level. And we work a lot on self-esteem. We work a lot on telling them, whatever you're gonna do with your life is good. You know, uh, whatever you have around you can be your means to change the community and to change the world. Remember that something specifically very important for us is the last part of our tagline, which is it. We help the privileged kids in Latin America become entrepreneurs using their local resources. That's very important. We go to a lot of communities where there's no coverage, no no cell phone coverage, right? No data, no internet, nothing. So how do we, so we know that our intervention at that point is gonna be the only intervention that these these kids will have in probably in months, right? So that's why we try to make sure that those sessions stick. And that's why we we, we deal with neuro-linguistic programming and affirmations and meditation and making sure that they feel safe in that space. I remember one day, and that's a that's an anecdote. I mean, we, obviously we do that because we, we like it and because we think it's our life purpose. But when we go to community, sometimes not everybody's open and ready to embrace what we're going to do. So I remember one story in which we went to a place and it was an indigenous community and the parents were not sure that these people coming from other places, why are they going to teach our kids? We don't know them, right? And they showed up in the workshop with their machetes because it was an indigenous community. So what they used to work is their machetes. So it was pretty intimidating. But after only like 30 minutes, they said, oh my God, absolutely. You know, our kids are safe there and we're gonna gonna just go back home or get back to work and we will let them do what what they really want to do. And again, um, we make sure that we impact positively their self-esteem while we are with them. And they remember us, you know, when we go back to those communities, they, they, and we, they see them, they see us on the streets or they see us in the places where we originally met. They, they say, hey, 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 how are you, senor, senor? You know, hmm. uh, que bueno verle, no, good to see you. So, you know, it's, it's uh, uh, again, we, they, they don't know what they don't know, but we, we know for sure that we want to change their lives while we are with them. With them. And that can only be done 
not with something that they have to memorize, but something that they incorporate from an experiential uh, perspective. They have an experience for, that, for us, with us. They have an experience that they have never had in their lives. That's for sure. So I, I would I would think that you're living up to the spelling of your first name in, in the viewpoint of these children, right? You're you're essentially coming in, you're swooping in as an angel, and you're helping them to grow and <laughs> and prosperous their communities, which is, which is definitely a hell of a thing. So in that, right, you're talking about a five hundred one c three, and that's yep. that's dedicated to yeah, you know, five hundred one c threes are essentially established to bring income in through different means and methods, right? So how do you have that set up right now? Because you're telling the communities, hey, it's, it's free of charge, but this has to be funded by something. So how, yes. how, what do your fundraisers look like to help that nonprofit grow? Yeah, so we organize fundraisers uh, because, well, first of all, obviously throughout time, we develop a series of you know frequent donors, right? People that are continuously trusting on what we do because we we expose or we have a lot of information available for them to see what we do every single day, right? So that's number one. Um, we, we organize fundraisers uh, very often. So, you know, we go online and we, we order with direct mails, mail, you know, electronic mail or with, uh, you know, social media. We use those resources in order to generate income. So we, we, we you know, we, we raise funds through, through that um, with, with with what's happening right now in the world, something that we uh, we are doing, we starting we're starting to do is to to knock at the, at the doors of you know those those large corporations that they have sponsorship programs. There's many companies that have matching funds, so there's plenty of our donors that uh, you know they they really help us, and so they let's say they put down one hundred dollars, and the company you know gives. Uh, as two hundred dollars, excuse me. So those those are really very nice, you know, ways to raise to raise funds, and and also one of the main sources of income is from the different, you know, uh, three the three co-founders. We are three co-founders, mm -hmm. and we consistently use our time, uh, obviously our time, our effort, and our money, the, the you know the cash flow that we generate with our respective business businesses. We use it also for for wisdom for kids. And we and we obviously keep the costs extremely extremely low, you know. So when we go to those communities, we stay at very very cheap accommodation whenever possible. We go to you know we share, uh, you know, family and friends locations places, you know. We we go to very cheap places to 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 eat and drink. Uh, and also something else that we do is we we connect with authors here in the U.S. Mm -hmm. And and some of them have have actually uh, uh, given us literally hundreds of their books for for kids mm -hmm. to donate them to to the kids in Latin America literally. Mm -hmm. So uh, and also the school district here in in Dallas, uh, one of the teachers of one of the schools actually she asked the parents to provide her with books that we were going to take to Latin America. So we have an agreement with an airline, a Mexican airline, and we were able to, to take all those books to, to Latin America, or we are able to take all those books to Latin America through them. So as you, as you are, as you're hearing, there's a lot of people willing to help and, and willing to support our, our activities. And obviously books are a very important part of what we do because there's, there's no chance that those kids in Latin America are going to get books in English. Never, ever. Nice. Nice. So let's, let's go into words of wisdom. And, and this is kind of like more so a, a, a journey question, right? So 
I want you to pose this question more towards a C-level executive with the opportunity to pull in on their philanthropic side of things, right? Like how could they give back a little bit more? So you're talking to an executive and you're saying, hey, this is the insight. This is my words of wisdom on how you can create larger opportunities to give back. The first one, actually, I'm going to get very raw and very personal. Mm. The first thing I'm going to, I'm going to tell them, because I, I have these conversations all the time, is do you think that maybe it's your kids, your grandkids, or your kids of your friends, would they benefit from going to Latin America and seeing what's going on right now? So that's the first thing. Uh, because I think that, again, our kids here in the U.S., they are a little bit spoiled and they don't really know what's going on in the world. And I think that exposing them to the reality of Latin America and to the poverty that's happening there, mm. it's extremely important and how they can easily contribute to do that. So that's the number one thing. Are you, are you as a father or as a mother doing enough to make your kids aware of you know, what's going on in the world, in other places in the world? That's number one thing. Number two is obviously, I'm sure that you have you have at some point you have been in Mexico, you have been in maybe in Costa Rica or in other places in Latin America, and you might have been in those resorts or you might have uh, had the opportunity to go outside those resorts and see the reality of what the population is going through. Um, so, uh, or, or even right now, uh, you have maybe some Latino population that has, is already working for you. You have some Latino employees. <coughs> Excuse me. Or which is also the case, maybe some, some leaders, some business leaders today, they have been doing missionary work in other countries in Central or South America, maybe. So if, if you fall under any of those categories, I would, I would encourage you to contact us and I would encourage uh, you to, let's have a conversation about how your company, how your family you know, can really support our initiatives in Latin America for those kids that live in, live in poverty most of them without current water, but you, you could easily help us, you know, change that. I mean, I'm, I'm talking that to change, to start changing the world, the life, excuse me, of a kid in Latin America, it's, it's really under, un, under 20 bucks right now, our cost. So it's really, 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 really low. Nice, nice. So, yeah. I mean, we're putting that offer out there, right? I mean, yes. like how could people get in contact with you? I mean, what's your social media, your website profile information? Yes, the easiest way... I'm, as you will see, if you go and look for my, you know, Angel Rebo, my last name is four letters, R-I-B as in boy, O. If you Google me, you will see I'm very active on, on social media. Mm -hmm. uh, so if you go to social media outlets, you will see me. I'm going to give you my direct email address. Mm -hmm. I answer either my team or myself. We answer all, all the emails that we get. It's very simple. The email address is angel at angelrebo.com. And either if you are interested in our foundation, Wisdom for Kids, or in, in our brand of business consulting, uh, which is the CEO Confident, both on LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, you, you will see them there. Nice, nice. Great, great, great. So let's go into some bonus questions. Let's just have a little bit more Thank you. fun, right? So okay. if you could be a superhero, who would it be and why? If I could be a superhero, who I would be? Mm -hmm. outside of yourself i mean obviously your name is angel you're named after a superhero in itself but outside <laughs> of being a literal superhero who would you be um well very often i have, I have been I, I, there's an archangel that has been mm. around me all the time and it's archangel archangel michael 
um, the city close to Barcelona where I was born, the patron of that city is actually St. Michael. Uh, I have actually uh, continuously have a St. Michael close to me in my office. Actually, right now is here next to me. <laughs> so I would say Archangel, Archangel St. Michael for what the Archangel stands for. Number one, because I believe in angels, really. And I'm not talking about myself, but real angels. I think that I think that we have real angels around us and everybody has a guardian angel, honestly. Uh, and, and, uh, and I think that that's why Archangel, Archangel St. Michael is always carries a sword. Hmm. And it's not that I am a violent guy, but I think that I use my energy and my passion. And I consider that my, uh, the, other day, the other day, someone said very generously, my infectious, infectious passion. So I think that my infectious passion is my, is my sword. It's, hmm. it's the archangels, uh, you know, Michael uh, sword, which I carry all the time with me to change the lives of the people around me, either in my business world or when I am in Latin America doing, you know, some nonprofit work. Wow. Wow. Definitely. Definitely. So uh, another question, right? Outside of your kids and your family, what is your greatest achievement to date? Outside my kids and my family, it's definitely um, having been able to succeed on my entrepreneurial work, uh, you know, journey. Um, so being able to increase my outreach, being able to increase my exposure, uh, being able to make the others shine, uh, that's very important for me. I, as I said before many times, I consider myself to be the connector of the unconnected. I think that one of the reasons why I'm in this world is to uh, be the conduit of everybody else's greatness, hmm. really. So I, I, I love to see the others shine through me and helping them to shine. Nice. Very nice. Okay. So the last bonus question I have for you, right? If you, you could spend 24 hours with anyone, dead or alive, uninterrupted for those 24 hours, who would it be and why? Tony Robbins. It would be Tony Robbins because he's been the coach and he is the coach of the most powerful people in this planet. He exacts, he understands, you know, you know, you know, most of the, a lot of people for the last 14, 16, 18 months, right, has been wondering what's going on in the world, you know, what's going on in the world. I think that Tony Robbins is one of the few people out there who's extremely valued, mm -hmm. who, who is very respected, very smart, and who really has had the opportunity to contact and to be in touch with the most powerful people on the planet. Mm -hmm. And I think that spending 24 hours uh, intense hours with him would change my life forever. Hmm. I could definitely see that. I mean, I, I could attest I've been to, you know, maybe three or four Tony Robbins events in my lifetime. And every time I walk into a Tony Robbins event, you kind of see like the naysayers, the ones that are kind of like, he's not going to make me do anything. Meanwhile, they probably spend a couple thousand dollars. They sit up front. And then before the day is out, literally they're up high-fiving, massaging and hugging everyone. Their complete DNA changes before they leave that event so i, I definitely I, I i signed the waiver on that one tony robbins is definitely a good individual to spend 24 hours with absolutely so, and i would so, love to do that <laughs> yeah, yeah i'm thinking about, i'm like i would I let's would, put it in my bucket well. list let's put it in my bucket list <laughs> well i mean you're, you're on the road to, to get that done for sure definitely so going into closing i mean every time i, I interview someone on this conversational journey that, that we embrace so far, you may have some questions that you may want to ask me. So I'm giving the microphone to you and the floor is yours. Any questions you would like to ask me? 
Well, thank you. Yes, I'm going to ask you what keeps you up at night, SA. Hmm. What keeps me up at night literally is it's kind of like a two part thing. And it's kind of the reason why I created my podcast. On one hand, it's I, I, I kind of feel that entrepreneurs are dying unless like pandemics happen and people are getting fired and then they have these opportunities to jump into that space because being an entrepreneur is sexy right now. But if we go back to the 90s and 80s, being an entrepreneur wasn't sexy. And just like the stock market, there's these waves and these cycles of when things are in and when things are out. But if you look at history, entrepreneurs have been the founding fathers of everything that we have in existence. So kind of making sure that that stays in the forefront, right? And I think that's something that I want to, to, to live on. On the other hand, is, is the kids. My kids, personally, it's kind of like being influenced by their parents and being in the environment of the world to understand that entrepreneurs are the systems and the bread and butter to everything that we have. I, I kind of had that fear that, you know, we're, I am not doing enough or we collectively as entrepreneurs are not doing enough to influence our kids and influence the next generation. Awesome. I, I couldn't agree more with you. I think that we have to make sure that this generation of our, you know, our kids' generation, they have to thrive and we have to change things. We have to change what, you know, I, I wish they are exposed to a much better environment compared to the environment that we lived. Yeah, so, definitely. so yeah, I think that's extremely important. Well, I mean, that's obviously the reason why we, we launched Wisdom for Kids. We, we believe that we have, to, we have to really do something for the kids today. So thank you for your answer. <laughs> Definitely appreciate that. Well, so I mean, I, I definitely want want to thank you for for being on the show. I'm gonna start calling you the guardian angel. I already know I thank you. you the the confident boss, but it just kind of just goes to who you are and your brand thank and you. what you're doing to help these kids in, in these third world countries. I mean, I, I definitely appreciate that. So again, thanks for, for being on the show today. Thank you. Thank you very much for having me. And obviously, thank you everybody who's been uh, listening or watching us today. Great. Essay Grant, over and out. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Boss Uncaged. I hope you got some helpful insight and clarity to the diverse approach on your journey to becoming an Uncaged Trailblazer. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, review, and share the podcast. If this podcast has helped you or you have any additional questions, reach out and let me know. Email me at ask at sagrant.com or drop me your thoughts via a call or text at 762 762- 233 boss that's 762-233-2677 i would love to hear from you remember to become a boss in cage you have to release your inner beast sa grant signing off listeners of boss in cage are invited to download a free copy of our host sa grant's insightful ebook become an uncaged trailblazer Learn how to release your primal success in 15 minutes a day. Download now at www.bossuncaged.com forward slash free book.